Good morning to all the time investors. This is Igli with Equity Breakdown, where you'll find short, no bullshit overviews of public companies. So I was actually personally shocked at how much space impacted our daily lives. Our quality of life is convenient and well, thanks to the infrastructure built in space. Space-based communications, navigation, weather, remote sensing services are all benefits. Every time we wake up and look at the weather, use our GPS, swipe our credit cards, and etc., we need to pause and look up and think about space. Today, we will begin our space journey by breaking down Maxar Technologies, ticker symbol MAXR, whose high-resolution images for space of the Suez Canal blockage by the Evergreen were globally shared. So what is Maxar Technologies? Their pure play space company is a combination of four companies that play a critical role on Earth and space. Within this ecosystem, the company builds satellites, provides commercial radar, delivers commercial imagery with impeccable quality and capabilities, and provides geospatial data and analytics to the military, government agencies, and key commercial stakeholders. Maxar is actually a global player with around 4,300 employees, 20 strategic locations around the globe, and a strong partner with long-lasting relationships with key governments and commercial customers. The company is actually divided into two core components. You have the space infrastructure and the Earth intelligence. Space infrastructure involves segments such as space robotics, satellite hardware, satellite integration, system integration. Earth intelligence, on the other hand, includes the industry-leading geospatial data and analytics, analytics platform, and data services such as insights for the military and commercial use. So when you think about the two, this is how the company uh, segments their, their businesses. From a market opportunity perspective, so the space economy, as I've mentioned in two of my previous write-ups, is around $368 billion. It can be broken out into a couple categories. $95 billion is attributed to non-satellite industry, which involves the government space budgets, commercial human space flights, etc. $123 billion is actually for satellite services spanning from telecommunications, remote sensing, and science-related activities. $132 billion for ground equipment, which involves network equipment and consumer products. And $13 billion for satellite manufacturing and $4.9 billion for launch industry. So... Maxar actually believes that the Earth observation market, uh, which encompasses satellite services, ground equipment, will be highly impacted by the need for data solutions and insights. So AI-enabled data analytics is a common phrase that is consistent in Maxar's communication. Sectors such as defense and intelligence, energy and natural resources, industrials, agriculture, finance, insurance, news and media, and weather are common beneficiaries of this market. Ultimately, the quality of resolutions, accuracy, frequency, and delivery of the data will be a competitive selling point. Additionally, the company believes satellite manufacturing will continue to evolve. Low-Earth orbit constellation satellites, which are cheaper to launch and have less latency, will expand and share. Large geostationary satellite technology will also advance, which further the benefits of more coverage, enhance telecom capacity, and advance imagery. Overall, we can expect to see a combination of 25,000 active satellites in orbit from 2,600 satellites to date, which is phenomenal increase. The industry is actually expected to grow to $1 trillion by 2040 with a CAGR of 5%, driven by reusable rockets and more advanced lower-cost high-bandwidth satellites. So the market is certainly expanding. All eyes are now also on the space economy and the opportunities that are coming with it. And of course... We all are we all are familiar with SpaceX, the private company that is just um, 
hitting milestones left and right when it comes to um, launches and bringing human beings into deep space. So from this, we have to understand what are the strategic resources of this company that make it unique. Overall, they've designed over 285 spacecrafts with combined service of 2,750 years of orbit service. So they've been around for a while. On top of that, the company has 90 geostationary satellites in service that are placed 22,000 miles out in space, directly above Earth's equator. The satellite is in place and takes full 24 hours to cycle the Earth. So they don't own all of these satellites. Uh, of course, they've produced them, manufactured them for customers as well, too. Uh, but it gives you an idea that they have uh, significant experience when it comes to the production of these satellites. So the spacecraft here, more specifically, is called the 1300 spacecraft satellite. And that's the world's most popular platform of satellites due to cost and scalability. On top of that, the Earth observations, we're talking about they're producing satellites in terms of Earth observation ones, direct broadcast satellites, two-way broadband satellites, digital multimedia satellites, meteorological satellites as well too. And to give you a perspective, uh, the average cost for deploying a GEO satellite can range from $150 to $200 million based on the data for Euroconsult, an advisor specializing satellite manufacturing. So this is not something that is taken lightly here uh, on that end. Uh, they are on both spectrums, uh, very expensive. So from 150 million to 200 million. The company has also operated a constellation of four satellites. So these are the satellites that they actually own. GOI-1, Worldview-1, Worldview-2, and Worldview-3 that have a collection capacity of 1.4 billion square kilometers yearly. They did have Worldview-4. Unfortunately, that satellite experienced um, some technical difficulties and malfunction, no longer is in operations. The company is planning on launching a constellation of satellites. So it'll be six satellites that will uh, in harmony work between each other. And that is called Worldview Legion. So that is low earth orbit uh, constellation satellites. And it's going to be launched this year. Essentially, it's gonna be a new generation of high resolution earth imaging constellation satellites for government and commercial applications. This will triple the company's high resolution uh, coverage and capacity, and many areas will be captured 15 times in a single day. So that's pretty phenomenal. It'll also benefit the autonomous technology applications. Another unique component here, especially in the space infrastructure segment, is the fact that they have robotic technologies and they're being embedded to create self-service spacecrafts that can inspect, repair, tow, and fuel other uh, spacecrafts uh, slash satellites. And the company wants to ensure uh, to avoid losing high CapEx assets, or as they metaf metaphorically put it, we don't want to throw away a brand new Ferrari after one tank of gas, which is, uh, which is pretty spot on when it comes to the current situation today. They partnered with some really successful missions with uh, some strong partners such as NASA. So Mars missions, including Spirit, Opportunity, Curiosity rovers, as well uh, as the Phoenix and InSight landers too. Uh, the famous Perseverance rover uh, is also the sixth Maxar robotic arm that's being put in place. So you can see here that the company has a very high reputable uh, brand when it comes to the products that they design and deliver for their customers. 
They are also part of a project called Sampler, what will be the first robotic arm to the moon in 50 years as part of NASA's Artemis program along with SpaceX. So the mission will aim to send the first woman and next man on the moon by 2024. And more importantly, beyond the space robotics components, they have actually have an image library, which is a collection of 125 petabytes of high-resolution imagery from satellites. So to give you this in perspective, this is a phenomenal collection over decades and the uh, library is heavily used by the military as well as by um, strategic clients that would like to use their services for imagery and geospatial intelligence platforms the company provides regular updates of images essentially to over 6,000 major cities around the world so you can see here that they do have some very strong strategic assets that uh, displace them in a pivotal position uh, when it comes to the industry. Now, from a resource perspective, what are they doing to develop them? So publicly, I found that they had 22 patents and eight U.S. patent applications pending based on third-party sources. Uh, and we'll have over time understand whether that is a positive sign or a negative sign, but maybe they could be more. In 2020, the company spent around 226 million and 22 million on Earth intelligence and space infrastructure, CapEx. So this represents about 15% of the revenue. The company also received 93 million in tax credits for research and development activities and had an additional 15 million dedicated to peer research and development activities regarding new technologies in space. So they have a significant amount of uh, capital allocated towards making sure that both of those segments are heavily invested and, and supported to, to continue growth. And then also to ensure that R&D activities are maintained as new technologies come about. From a customer landscape and partnership perspective, well, the U.S. government is their largest customer, specifically for the Earth Intelligence Services. They drive around 72% of the revenue generated from Earth Intelligence segment and 40% from the space infrastructure segment. So we're talking about contracts with NASA, the U.S. National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, U.S. Department of Homeland Security, uh, U.S. Army of Geospatial Center, and so forth, and the U.S. Space Force. So across the board, you can see here that the U.S. government is one of their most important customers here. And that relationship is very, very important. From a commercial perspective, you have commercial players. They actually have about 28% of the revenue from the Earth Intelligence segment and about 16% from the space infrastructure segment of the business. So we're talking about customers like Amazon, Google, Palantir, Uber, and GM are but a few customers. So from understanding that landscape, how does this company make money? So Maxwell's revenue is highly dependent on multi-year contracts established with the U.S. government, civil agencies, and commercial customers. Specifically for the Earth Intelligence segment, revenue is generated from the imagery and geospatial service contracts. A satellite capacity is made for the customer revenue is recognized for that period. Examples of revenue strategies are below. So you have an enhanced view contract, multi-year contract from the U.S. government is around $300 million and has been extended 2023. Uh, you have the Secure Watch program, which generates subscription revenue for access to high-resolution imagery for on-the-ground intelligence. You have the Rapid Access program also, which allows customers to access satellite constellations while the company manages and owns ground infrastructure. All these are forms and programs that uh, essentially generate revenue for Maxar. As of 2020, Maxstar generated 63% of the revenue from the Earth Intelligence segment and 37% in total from the Space Infrastructure segment. So you can see here which of their revenue um, 
streams is more critical uh, in terms of uh, dependence. Overall, they've had 1.7 billion in 2020. They're expected to hit a CAGR of 3% in 2022 achieve 1.8 billion. They do have 1.9 billion in backlog driven by new contracts with civil agencies involving new space missions. They are profitable at 422 million with a 24.5% EBITDA margin, and they're expended to uh, hit 541 million of EBITDA in 2022, uh, resulting in about a 29.6 margin and a 13.2% CAGR growth rate. Right now, they are not cash flow positive. Uh, they're actually negative 65 million. They're expecting to be cash flow positive by 2023 at 325 million. So with that, the company is 2.7 billion in terms of market cap and an enterprise value of 5.4 billion, which is heavily driven by debt. But understanding the way that they make money and their current financial performance, the company plans to continue accelerating growth through following four strategies. First, acquisitions. Q1 of 2020, they finalized the acquisition of Rikon, a company that is a global leader in 3D data from satellites for defense and intelligence applications. So think about military simulations and precision-guided missiles. Second, uh, deepen their relationships with Earth intelligence expansion. So they need to leverage the 3D data and 3D capabilities to expand relationships with the U.S. government and commercial customers. Um, so again, this is involving the Worldview Legion constellations, the Vicon uh, acquisition, and data platforms that have AI and ML capabilities. The other element would be the space infrastructure expansion. So they will need to continue expanding manufacturing of the low earth orbit satellites that are uh, more cost effective for commercial purposes. They are also heavily investing in space robotics, solar electric propulsion, and spacecraft buses to support critical missions in the next three to five years. From a commercial market perspective, there's a high demand for autonomous applications, wireless networking planning, voice and data communications, video distribution, research and logistic planning around the world as well too. So Maxar needs to build the platforms to utilize the data they collect to offer these types of new growing segments that are happening in the industries. So with the growth application, in order to achieve them, they actually have some four key strategic uh, competitive advantages. And it boils down to technology, team, state-granted support, and brand. So from a technology perspective, they have satellite constellations that will deliver 30 centimeter capacity, which will be able to get to any point on the planet 15 times a day. The company has also designed space robots for critical missions to the moon and Mars. Additionally, with their recent acquisition, 3D mapping innovation services will become differentiator. On top of that, they have over 125 petabytes of data collected over a 20 year history. So that is their technology platform in a nutshell. From my a team perspective, majority of the management team uh, is composed of experienced leaders from Digital Globe, a company that built the industry's largest library of uh, resolution uh, satellite imagery. There is a high demand for satellite generated data and insights for the military and commercial purposes. On top of that, the team is uh, operationally focused to ensure that the most profitable segments of the business, in this case, geospatial data analytics, have all the dedicated resources to grow. So if you take that into perspective, then you realize that, okay, they have the team ready, they have the technology, they also have the state-granted support. So the U.S. government heavily depends on the Earth Intelligence Services provided by Maxar. 
The Enhanced View program is a 20-year program that is utilized to support data and analytics for 400,000 users in the government and intelligence community. The company is also positioned with the defense strategy across cyberspace, missile defense, and autonomous systems. So the U.S. government being one of their largest clients is also one of their largest supporters, giving them very critical contracts. And this is important because the U.S. government plays a very big role within these industry, within the industry. From a brand perspective, well, they've delivered over 60 years of innovation reliability in the space with 90 geostationary satellites, 285 spacecraft, and 3.5 billion square kilometers of Earth, Earth imagery, which is about 24 times Earth's total landmass. So with those strategic competitive advantages, there are also some significant risks. So the competition the company faces comes from companies that are either 10x or 20x their size. So remember, uh, we're talking about uh, Maxar Technologies being at a 2.7 market cap, while Boeing and Lockheed Martin, they surpass $100, million, $100 billion market caps. The company needs to also ensure that they are leaders in the emergence of new remote imaging technologies or the continued demand of low-cost satellite imaging satellites. On top of that, uh, you have the operational risks. So satellites are capital and time intensive. Construction and launch delays, launch failures and damages can severely impact revenue for months to come. In 2019, Maxar lost a worldview for satellite impacting revenue. Revenue risk here is also critical. Revenue from the U.S. government agencies is mainly generated from enhanced view contracts to provide image tasking capabilities. Any lag in service could also result in immediate termination of the contract. So you can see here that there is significant operational risk when it comes to satellites. And the fact that they also have the highest support from the government and generate one of the strongest uh, revenue uh, contributions from the government also is a little risky too. And from a manufacturing component, Maxar has highlighted that they rely on a single vendor or a limited number of vendors to provide certain key products for manufacturing satellites. This reliance can put them at risk for pricing pressures as demand for satellites increases with the expansion of the space economy. Additionally, aluminum and titanium are critical raw materials that are necessary for the productions of spacecraft. So the fact that there are very limited vendors when it comes to this industry sparks my interest. And... They do carry a lot of power, specifically pricing power, which can impact margins down the stream. So we will eventually find out who they are. But in the meantime, for Maxar, that is a risk. And finally, this is a personally inducted risk here from the company and it's their debt. The execution of revenue strategies, such as launching the satellite constellations and other various government agencies, require a lot of capital. As a result, the company has highlighted they have a significant amount of debt amounting to $2.1 billion, which surpasses their revenue, and it's four times their EBITDA of 2020. Now, to put it in perspective with the new management team, they did go from 7x EBITDA in debt to 4x, so they are putting strategies in play to control that and, and uh, actually, as they earn free cash flow, pay it off. So that gives me some level of confidence, but that is significantly high debt. From a team DNA and vision perspective, so overall, this company, especially with their new restructuring capabilities that they've gone through in the past two to three years, seems like they're in a strong position. So majority of the executive team is coming from Digital Globe, uh, which is a reputable company uh, that happened during their acquisition that offered high-resolution satellite imagery. They're one of the leaders in that front. So Daniel L. Jablinski, he has a strong academic professional background. He was chairman and CEO of Digital Globe since 2017. And put in perspective here, 
he also served in the U.S. Navy as a surface war officer and nuclear engineer. So you can see here, he's very well embedded within the military community, which gives this company a strong presence uh, of respect and years of service. And across the board here, uh, you do have strong executive teams who are veterans within the space economy. They're very familiar with building uh, and launching and ensuring uh, the process of just the whole satellite manufacturing element uh, is is strong and they all have years of experience when it comes to that. So you can read in more detail on some of these leaders, but it gives you confidence that this company is well-led now at the moment. But key insights for you guys. The satellite consists of many small electronic, mechanical, and thermal systems that have to undergo a lot of tests and under a lot of space-like conditions. It takes about four years if it is new, about one, two years if it's an existing satellite to manufacture, repair, and prepare for launch. On launch day, after years of work, the fate of the satellite depends on the equivalent 4 million pounds of TNT and metaphorically speaking, one button. Ultimately, the asset that is meant to generate revenue is very delicate and very risky. So I say this, this is a very complicated product that is being built by very talented engineers and uh, requires a lot of money. So you can understand here that the amount of time it takes to build one of these and any mistake that can happen, you're talking about significant loss of capital. And I'm sure their insurance plays a role here, but guarantee you it does not cover uh, the loss that comes with this. So from that, you know, you, Keep that in the back of your head, especially as you're looking at all these pure space, space companies and the satellite technologies that are being created. Anyone that can ensure a timely manner of producing these at a very low cost could potentially change the, the game. The space economy is also expanding, and with many players entering the market, investors are looking for the next opportunities. While this is an intensive capital business, the players that will ultimately succeed will have top engineering teams, strong relationships with the U.S. government and civil agencies, and the ability to build business models that generate revenue. To put this into perspective, the U.S. government and its agencies have allocated a total budget of $101 billion for 2021. This represents about a third of the total space economy industry. As a result, while commercial use is expanding, the relationships between the government and its agencies are critical for economical success. When highlighting the risks, Maxar so when highlighting the risks, Maxar during the year 2019 also restructured their satellite service businesses to preserve and enhance it. The GEO satellites are very capital intensive, and the failure for their worldview uh, for satellite drove additional financial risk as well. Ultimately, with new leadership from their merger. With Digital Globe in 2017, the company will focus on these uh, low-orbit uh, constellation satellites. All eyes are on the launch of their new Worldview Legion constellations in 2021. So to give you an idea here, we already understand the role that the U.S. government is playing. They're contributing to a third of the budget, a third of the space economy, essentially, with $101 billion as of 2021. And that is important. Well, that budget and their support for Maxar is heavily also dependent on this new launch too, the new Worldview Legion Constellation in 2021. And this is a monumental step for the company and any problems that can come from this could be detrimental. So watch out for this. If they're very successful, I think this company will experience some positive uh, feedback from the investment community uh, as well as from their customers. Ultimately, as the demand for data increases and launch costs decrease, Maxstar needs to continue to be a leader in providing data with AI and machine learning capabilities 
towards strategic customers and ensure they're embracing leading technologies in their satellites. Additionally, the company is also diversifying its revenue beyond the Earth intelligence and satellite manufacturing towards uh, space robotics. They're key partners in important missions like NASA's Artemis program to the moon and NASA's Perseverance Mars missions that happened earlier this, this year. As an investor, I would like to see Maxar Technologies diversify its revenue model to remove dependence from long-term contracts that build services that allow recurring and build services that allow recurring subscriptions with the delivery of insightful data and the use of its space infrastructure products. As a $2 billion market cap, the company has $25 billion in pipeline activity across the next five years. Are they able to achieve these opportunities? That will remain the question, but there are laid out for them in terms of what they need to tackle. If the company can achieve its key milestone launch this year, preserve its dominance in satellite technology, data intelligence, and maintain critical strategic partnerships, it could put the company on the right path. Well, time investors, I hope you enjoyed this breakdown of Maxar Technologies as one of the first of the many space companies we will break down this month as we explore the supply chain process. As always, stay incurably curious. And if you need to access more of the uh, resources, such as the investor presentations, some videos, as well as some uh, reputable articles, I've highlighted them below. If you like the content, please make sure to share this newsletter, share this post, and follow me on Twitter and or subscribe if you have not already. So with that, I'm wishing you guys a great Sunday morning and uh, watch out this week for some interesting news to come out in regards to equity breakdown as well. Looking forward to hearing from you guys soon.